You are listening to the Grace Church of Mapton podcast. This week's sermon by Pastor Adam Copenhaver covers John 1, 14 through 18. Thanks for listening. Brian, and we're continuing today in our series in the Gospel of John. Just getting started here with our third message today in this series. And so we're in John chapter 1, the passage that, um, that Ryan read. And you'll remember that the theme we've said, the theme of the entire book of John is believe. That the whole book is really an invitation to us to believe in Jesus. That's a word that appears all throughout the, the book. If you read through it and read it closely, it's all about believing in Jesus and by believing, having life in him. So we've said that these first 18 verses of John chapter 1, that these uh, verses are like an introduction to the entire book. It's kind of like a trailer to a movie. It's something that is teasing our interest, throwing the, the big picture, the big ideas at us about Jesus, and then making us want to learn more and to read more about Jesus. So there are some big claims about Jesus in these first 18 verses. There's lots of good news. If you remember back to verse 1, it starts off John chapter 1 by saying, in the beginning was the word, that Jesus is the word, that he was in the beginning with God, and that he was God, that he's eternal, just like God himself, and that all things were created through Jesus. And then as we keep going through what we've seen in John 1, that Jesus is the light who has come into our dark world, that he brings life into our world that is full of sin and death. We saw last week the good news that if we believe in Jesus, we become children of God. And then our passage today, verses 14 through 18, as we finish up this introduction to John, verses 14 through 18, we'll see this big announcement, this big claim that Jesus is God, the Word, now become flesh. And that when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, that he brought truth and grace into the world. In fact, unlimited grace, overflowing grace to us. So we'll think through these verses today in our message. And remember that in these verses, as we think about these things about Jesus, that the whole point of all of this in John's gospel, again, it's an invitation to believe. It's that this would work its way into our hearts and into our minds that we would understand these things about Jesus and come to believe that they really are true so we would trust in Jesus and find life in him. So here's our outline for today. Uh, Three points for us in your bulletin. There's an insert there. If you want to pull that out, you can follow along there. Take notes if you'd like and also up here on the screen. Uh, First, we'll talk about Jesus becoming human. The word became flesh. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then second, grace and truth. This is repeated twice in these verses that Jesus comes and he's full of grace and truth. So we'll talk about what that means a little bit. And then third and finally, and I think at least best of all, grace upon grace. A very important statement in verse 16 about how From Jesus, we receive grace upon grace. Okay, so first, the word became flesh. And our focus here is on verse 14. And so if you have your Bible open, if you want to look at verse 14 again with me, here's what verse 14 says. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is a very important verse for how we understand who Jesus is. This morning, I was talking about John chapter 1, these verses a little bit with the youth group, and they were realizing, hey, these verses in John chapter 1 sound familiar to some of us because we memorized them as memory verses up at camp. It's like, oh, you know, full, like one of those full circle moments, like who do you think picked the memory verses up at camp? You know, maybe because these are important verses. And so this is a very important verse, verse 14, one of those memory verse kind of verses. Here in verse 14, we have the word, the word. And that takes us back to verse 1, how this whole chapter, how John's gospel opened that we've looked at in the beginning was the word. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, how the word points to the eternal nature of Jesus, that Jesus already existed all the way from eternity past. In the beginning, when God existed and did all that work of creation, the word Jesus was with God, he is God, he was there doing all of that work of creation with God and as God. And so now we take this, the word, the spiritual being, the son of God, and verse 14 says, he became flesh. Now this idea, the word became flesh, this is in theological terms, this is what we use that big word sometimes for as Christians that we talked about with the kids, the incarnation. Not a word that's in the Bible, but a word we use to describe what we're seeing here. The word became flesh, and it's kind of like John's version of the Christmas story. You might notice as we read through John's gospel that he doesn't tell the story of Jesus being born. There's no wise men, no baby in a manger or anything like that. But John is saying something as profound or more profound. He's saying, here's what actually happened when Jesus was born. It wasn't just that Jesus started to exist when he was conceived and was born. That's what happened for us. Our life began, our existence began when we were conceived and then born into the world. But Jesus already existed before that. He was the word with God, was God in the beginning. So when Jesus was conceived and was born, he didn't begin to exist in that moment. This was the word becoming flesh, taking on humanity. And as a result of the word becoming flesh, this is why we say that Jesus is this profound being who is both fully God and fully man at the same time. The profound mystery about Jesus in his being. We've been talking about that a little bit in Sunday school as well. The word became flesh. Jesus, the eternal word, the spiritual being God, became human. And then verse 14 goes on to say that as flesh then, as human, he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Now to understand these statements about him dwelling among us and us seeing his glory, these, if, if we're familiar with the Old Testament, like John and some of his readers probably were, then, then we would maybe pick up on a couple of clues here that, that these words and what he's saying takes us back to the Old Testament. 
when he says the word dwelt among us, literally that word is something like to pitch your tent, to make your dwelling. If you have some, some translations, maybe an older translation, it might even say that he tabernacled among us. And, and it takes us back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus. Now, we've been going through Exodus on Wednesday nights in Cultivate. We're not quite this far in Exodus yet. But what happens in Exodus is the people of Israel, they are in slavery in Egypt. God delivers them out of that slavery in Egypt. They go out into the desert, and they don't have homes to live in, but they're out in the desert camping. They're living in tents out in the desert. And Exodus chapter 33 In Exodus chapter 33, it says that Moses built a special tent. All the Israelites were camped all together, and outside where they all were, Moses built a special tent called the Tent of Meeting. The Tent of Meeting. And Moses would go into this tent, and the presence of God would descend like a pillar of cloud onto this tent. And God would speak with Moses in this tent, Exodus 33 says, God would speak with Moses in that tent face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The tent of meeting. And then later in Exodus, God gives the Israelites instructions. You should build a special tent, a fancy big tent, and call it a tabernacle. And in this big fancy tent, all the people can come into this tent and offer their sacrifices and pray and worship God. And when they've built that tent, then the presence of God descends on that tent. It's his glory, the text says, that descends onto that tent so that all the people could see God's glory there and know that God was there dwelling in their midst. So when we go to John chapter 1, verse 14, if that's rattling around in our brains in the background, then we can see what John is using here, the words, the concepts he's using to describe Jesus. That when Jesus became flesh, John says, human body, he dwelt among us. His flesh, his human body was his tent, as if he pitched a tent, a tent of meeting, a tabernacle. Jesus himself was a place where God would meet with his people face to face. So just like the Israelites in the Old Testament could look at that tent of meeting or at the tabernacle and see God's glory, John says we can look at Jesus and see God's glory. We've seen his glory, John says, the kind of glory that can only come from the Father's only Son, a special, unique kind of glory, even greater than the glory they saw at the tabernacle. And John, as we read through, I've been saying this is like an introduction, remember. John's kind of teasing us with these ideas. These ideas will reappear in the gospel of John. And so John comes back to this in verse 18. He says, just down in verse 18, he says, No one has ever seen God, but who has made God known? It's the God who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made God known. But then he comes back to this when we get into um, later in the gospel in chapter 14. In John chapter 14, there's an interesting interaction with Jesus and his disciples. And Philip, one of Jesus' followers, says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. 
We want to see God. And Jesus gives a reply. And in his reply, he says these words, very profound words. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. When you look at me, Jesus says, you're seeing God. I make God known. You see God's glory when you look at me. I am the tent of meeting. I'm the tabernacle. I'm the place where you go to meet with God face to face and to know God. You have everything you need to know God, Jesus says, when you have me and when you know me. And so John is telling us right up front in the introduction in chapter 1, verse 14, here's why you ought to take Jesus seriously. Here's why you ought to believe in Jesus. Because if you want to know God, if you want to see God, if you want to know God's glory, here's how God has made himself known. It's through Jesus. And that's why you need to believe in Jesus if you want to know God. Well, that takes us to our second point then, but more, more detailed then. What has God made known about himself through Jesus? Well, his glory, his presence, his existence, yes. And also our second point now, grace and truth. Grace and truth. And in the end of verse 14, we read that the glory of Jesus, it's the glory of the only Son from the Father, that he is full of grace and truth. That's the end of verse 14. Jesus is full of grace and truth. The same phrase shows up again in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is full of grace and truth. These are very important themes about Jesus. And again, it takes us back to the Old Testament and again back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33, we talked about the tent of meeting and all of that. In the very next chapter, Exodus chapter 34, we have this interesting story where Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's meeting with God. The Lord has descended in the cloud on Mount Sinai. Moses and God are up there hanging out. And they're talking face to face, the text says. And in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, it says that the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord says, this is my name. This is who I am. This is my character. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, but will punish the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children. Now, now, there's a lot there when God passes by Moses and says, here's who I am. There's a lot there in God's character. But we can see there his mercy, his grace, he's slow to anger, he forgives, he judges. Right in the middle of it is this phrase, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Right at the core of who God is. Abounding in love and faithfulness. And without getting too deep into the weeds, those words and those concepts, his love, his faithfulness, they carry forward into the New Testament and they translate forward into what John says here about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Full of grace 
and truth. He embodies the very character of God. The attributes that God abounds with, Jesus abounds with. He's full of grace and truth. So what does that mean? Well, grace, that's a very important word. So important we put it on the name of our church and call ourselves Grace Church. Grace refers to a gift. It's the simplest definition. It's a gift. A gift given for the benefit of others. It's when we see others in need and we take from what we have and from who we are and we give of ourselves in a way that benefits others. That is grace. And of course, if we look around in the world, we can see that grace, it's in short supply. It's in short supply in the world now, and it was back then too, because we're all naturally selfish kinds of people and sinful. We all naturally want to take from others, to get more for me, but not Jesus. Jesus is full of grace. He takes from himself and gives for the benefit of others, for our benefit. And Jesus is also full of truth. Truth is about reality, the way things really are, and being faithful to the truth. And again, we can look around in our world and we know truth is in short supply now and also back then. We all, naturally, we want to make up our own truth. I'll have my truth, thank you very much. And you, well, if you want to have yours, fine, but I have my truth. We often will even create fantasies. We don't want to face the truth. Do you remember the old, the old movie, you want to know the truth? You can't handle the truth. The presumption there is that you want to know the truth. <laughs> often we don't even want that, to know the truth. We'd rather live in our own version of reality. But Jesus comes full of truth. We fast forward in John's gospel, and what does Jesus say in John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the truth, Jesus says. I'm full of truth. I make known what is reality. I reveal the way things really are. Do you want to know the greatest truths, the deepest truths, the foundational truths about who God is, how we can know God, how we can have life, these sorts of things? Jesus abounds in truth. So he's full of grace and truth at the same time. You put those two together, and what a rare combination, isn't it? We might find a person who speaks truth, who knows things that are true, but who's not gracious. If you have truth but not grace, you're probably an arrogant person, rude, unkind, hurtful. You might find a person who is gracious or kind. They think of others, but they're so kind that they never really want to say hard truths that might offend someone. Sometimes you have people with one or the other. Sometimes you meet that person or encounter that person who has neither grace nor truth. Those are the kind of people we find on social media and on the internet a lot. We have their own version of reality, untruths, and they're ungracious in how they present it. Jesus has both grace and truth. Isn't that incredible? In abundance, full of grace and truth. And as we go through John's gospel, we'll find 
that as Jesus encounters different people in story after story, we'll see Jesus bringing both grace and truth into people's lives. One of my favorite stories in John's gospel that's not too far away in John chapter 4, we find Jesus talking to a woman, we call her the woman at the well oftentimes. He's talking to this woman and Jesus very quickly in that conversation says, let's get real about your life. Let's bring some truth into the picture. You've had five different husbands. The man you're now living in sin with is not your husband. Ouch, Jesus. <laughs> truth. But Jesus speaks these hard truths in such, with such grace for her benefit that he's not shaming her, but he's helping her. And this woman feels the grace from Jesus, listens to Jesus, believes in Jesus. She's filled with life and joy and runs from that conversation rejoicing that she has met Jesus. Grace and truth from Jesus. It rocks her world for the better. And we'll see that this happens repeatedly in the Gospel of John. A woman's caught in the act of adultery truth from Jesus. It's sin. You need to sin no more. But grace from Jesus. I don't condemn you. I forgive you. And her life is changed by grace and truth. A religious man, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus. He's confused. He's lost. He's, he's seeking truth. And Jesus says, here's the truth, Nicodemus. You're religious and all that, but you don't have true spiritual life because you don't yet believe in me. Whew, those are hard words. But here's the grace. When you do believe in me, Jesus says you'll be reborn and have new eternal life. Truth and grace. Now this is what Jesus does. This is what he brings. Truth and grace. It's what he does in our lives as well. And so as we work our way through John's gospel, if you read ahead, which you're welcome to read ahead, as we work through the stories in our sermons, this is what we ought to feel from Jesus in these stories. We ought to have feelings of both grace and truth. The, the truth is coming at us. Jesus is the son of God. I'm a sinner. My life is broken and dark. I need Jesus or I will be lost. Truth. But he'll also bring grace over and over again, the good news of life that he holds out, of forgiveness that he holds out, that if we believe in Jesus, we won't have regrets, but we'll find love and care from him of a kind we can't even imagine. And of course, his grace, his gifts to us, where does it all culminate? It all ends up by the end of the gospel, John, with Jesus on a cross, sacrificing everything as a gift for us, giving his very life so that we can have life. No one greater than Jesus. Where else can we go to find grace and truth put together and abounding like this? So grace and truth in Jesus. And this leads us then to our final point, grace upon grace. So third and final point, grace upon grace. Right in the middle of our verses here, in verse 16, we have this, this glorious statement. Look at verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all received grace 
upon grace. Jesus is so full of grace and truth that there's an overflow. And what do we receive from him? Grace after grace, one gift after another after another, an unending supply of his good gifts to us. Now, in the immediate context, if you kind of follow through what John is saying here, he gives an example of how grace builds upon grace. In verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, to kind of follow what he's saying here a little bit, but again, back to the book of Exodus again. This is, John's got his brain kind of stuck in the book of Exodus while he's writing these words. You go back to the book of Exodus, and God gave the law to his people through Moses. He gave the law, John says. It was a gift from God, a grace from God to his people. The law was not bad. It was good, what God revealed in the Old Testament. But the law also in the Old Testament anticipated that God would give even more grace. And now in Jesus Christ, grace has come again. Another gift from God, an ultimate gift, grace upon grace. It was good, and now it's getting better, John says. A while back, Susie and I, we were invited to watch a couple renew their wedding vows. I don't know if you've ever done this or seen this done before. Uh, this couple had been married for 45 years or so, and when they were first married, like a lot of young people getting married, when you're, when you're young and getting married, you don't typically have very much money. And so this couple, he had worked hard. He had scraped and saved and was able to buy a simple wedding ring for her. Not fancy, not too expensive, but of course it was very precious, very meaningful to them, this ring when they were first married. But for 45 years now, they've been married, and he's always, he always kind of looked forward to the day when he could afford to give her the ring that he thought she should have always had, the ring he always wanted her to have. And 45 years later, that day had, had come. He, they were in a financial position and so on where he was able to give her a better wedding ring. Now, if we think about that, the better ring doesn't replace the first one. It doesn't make the first one any less important or special to them. Both rings have great value. But now the time has come for the ring that he always wanted and intended for her to have. In the context here, what John is saying is something similar has happened. God gave the law through Moses. It was a good gift. God made himself known to his people, showed them how they ought to live. But it was never intended to be the end of the story be the final gift. But we can look back to the Old Testament. We read it. We're working through it on Wednesday nights and in Exodus and so on. We see this. As, it's God's gift. It's his word to us. We learn from it. But in all of it, it's anticipating what God would do, the grace he would give upon that grace through Jesus. Jesus is, John is saying, God's greatest gift, the culmination of his grace. And through Jesus, we could also see in what John is saying here, that through Jesus, God continues to pour out his grace, gift after gift after gift. This is what we experience when we believe in Jesus. And again, in John's gospel, he'll flesh this out a little bit. 
We go back to that woman at the well story, John chapter 4. Jesus speaking grace and truth, the woman at the well. And in that conversation, Jesus says to her, if you believe in me, you will have springs of living water in your soul. A constant supply of God's goodness and grace and life in you so you will never thirst again. Constant grace from God. Then we go to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus is having a conversation with some folks and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Like the manna back in the Old Testament, it appeared every day on the ground from God to feed his people every day a gift from God of food. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will be bread for you. Spiritual bread, bread that never spoils or runs out. You will never be hungry again. Every day you will be nourished, Jesus says. I'll give you so much life, Jesus says, so many gifts that your soul will never be hungry or thirsty again, and you'll have eternal life. His grace never runs out. Grace upon grace upon grace, each day, every day, all day, all of our lives, gift after gift from him. No matter what we're walking through, he'll bless you. When your world is dark, he gives light. It's his grace to you. When life is hard, he gives joy. It's his grace to you. When your world is broken and falling apart, he gives peace, his grace to you. When you feel like you don't belong, he gives you an identity, his grace to you. He gives security to you. He gives you hope when life seems hopeless. When you experience pain and suffering and grief, he gives comfort Gift upon gift, life upon life. It's almost as if, and now this is probably probably about the worst illustration I could use, but we're going to go for it. It's almost as if Jesus is an infomercial that never ends. Okay, You know how in an infomercial they, they're always saying, but wait, there's more. You know, If you order this cheese grater now, we'll throw in this special attachment that slices your cheese, wow, what a great deal you're thinking. And then just when you're thinking, okay, but wait, there's more. We'll also throw in this cutting mat. Wow, but wait, there's more. Free shipping. But wait, we'll double it to cutting mats. Wow, and at some point you, you start wondering, like, will the good news never end? Will this infomercial ever end? And of course the infomercial ends, the good news ends. And then you look at the hole and you wonder, wait, is that really a good deal after all? But Jesus is like the real deal infomercial that never ends. There's always more. His goodness never runs out. He's full of grace and his grace overflows. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The word became flesh. Grace and truth. Grace Upon grace. Aren't we grateful for Jesus? What a joy, what a blessing to know him and to have life in him. And so may we all believe in Jesus so that from his fullness we all might receive grace upon grace. Amen. 
This has been a podcast from Grace Church of Mabton. For more information, visit our website at mabtongbc.org.